you're listening to the GamesIndustry.biz podcast. I'm James Batchelor and I'm joined this week by... Matt Handrahan. Brendan Sinclair. And Rebecca Valentine. Rebecca, we're here to talk about one of your pieces this week. You did an excellent uh, investigation into Global Step with the UK QA company uh, and and how things have been within that company over the last few years. I kind of don't want to go into detail because you're the one who has extensively investigated this. I'll, I'll hand to you what's been happening. Right. So where to begin? Um, yeah. So there's this basic, the article basically centers around uh, a, a UK uh, QA studio. It was originally Testology. Uh, it's based in Eldershot. Uh, and back in back in 2017, they had a CEO who, was, this is all very public, um, they had a CEO who said some racisms. Uh, and that d- did not, was not good. That was not well received, uh, as it should not be. Um, and the, the kind of result is that the company wasn't wasn't doing very well, and so uh, a larger company called Global Step uh, came in to acquire it. Uh, Global Step is a company that uh, has an office at the time had an office uh, just in Pune, India. Um, its founders are based in Texas, I believe, um, and they acquired the the UK office in Aldershot, and then shortly after they acquired uh, an office, I believe in Mon- yeah in Montreal as well. So they they have three QA studios, but this this article focuses on the one in the UK. And uh, for for the first year or so, things were I mean kind of normal. It ran about the way it had before. Um, I I spoke to fourteen people who were connected to Global Step UK in some fashion. Uh, who you know told me that for the first year or so, you know Global Step basically left them alone. Um, they just kind of ran things the way they had always run them, and uh, th- there were some things that weren't great, like like the pay there. Um, folks told me was uh, kind of terrible, um, but they also sort of acknowledged that it was not really any worse than any other QA job. They said that was just kind of the standard, which is a whole different conversation about QA, QA people being paid, you know, for the work that they do. Um, but uh, the, uh, the other thing is that everybody there, uh, basically anyone QA lead, QA assistant lead, and QA tester, those three roles, uh, which is the bulk of the studio, were on these zero-hour contracts, which again, they all, you know, kind of acknowledged was sort of a standard in this part of the industry. Uh, it's basically, they're not guaranteed any particular amount of work at any time, but they all, and they're paid by the hour, but they also don't have to accept any work. And that, again, it, it, it wasn't great, but they, you know, said that it worked for them. Um, there, there was a group of people they, who had been there for, you know, years. And generally the way they described it to me is that people, you know, were assigned work based on their experience and skill over time. There's like a feedback system through which managers could say, yeah, this person has done, you know, really good work. We should, you know, try to put them on harder projects or give them more hours and things worked out. Well, According to the folks who were there, and also I, you know, spoke to a representative at Global Step, um, right around uh, November, November, December of last year, but really the effects started happening in January, February. Global Step decided that it wanted to take a stronger hand in the management of the studio, um, and they. You can read the article. Global Step, you know, kind of had some comments that were sort of not very uh, kind to their workers uh, about what they felt assessing the studio, uh, what they felt its capabilities were. Um, it, not to put words in their mouth, but it, it did not strike me that they had done a lot to attempt to train people up uh, to the level that they expected them to be that or to give them the skills that they, you know, allegedly wanted them to have. Um, but that's neither here nor there. So they, um, so they started stepping in and they started uh, messing with stuff. And they just, you know, it's an acquisition. That's the kind of thing that happens. But 
what they started doing is they started messing with the schedule and the amounts of hours that people had, and you know, people started getting frustrated. And over the next you know several months, there this culture of of fear and frustration started uh, being fostered by these management decisions. Um, there was a point around February where a bunch of people were suddenly ghosted. Um, they were they came into work one day and then they were never called in again for according to them seemingly no reason uh they just were never contacted they tried to contact global step they tried to contact uh there's a a separate firm that does their payroll and theoretically does their hr called eden group they tried to contact them and they said that they received no response and uh no one was really no no one was able to give me a specific number of people affected um because it's it's a studio with i don't know a decent number of people who were all called in on different days and they didn't all necessarily know each other but uh some that are between 10 and 30 people um, in the last six months were just just ghosted, just never never told anything about why they weren't being called in anymore and never called in again. And that seems to be technically legal according to their contracts. But, you know, they went from having, four, you know, around 40 hours of work a week to zero hours with no explanation, no no severance, no just, just nothing out of the blue. Um, and they're... There's a whole. I don't want to just recap the entire article because you should go read it. But there, the those who remained in the office, um, many of them described uh, conversations with these two people who were in charge of it. Um, Sanjeev Aluwalia, um, who's uh, the person who's in charge of the UK office, and then Ben Gunstone, who's kind of the day-to-day office manager. Um, this described them, you know, kind of fostering this culture where people were afraid that if they criticized anything or if they spoke up against any of the things going on in the office they didn't like, then they would be the next to basically get ghosted. Um, there were people who overheard uh, management saying that, oh, or I think it was, San, yeah, it was Sanjeev, um, they overheard him saying that it, it was so much nicer in the office now that they didn't have anybody there anymore who smoked or had a beard. Um, and there, it, it, it went on. Um, that, sorry, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to like to summarize this article. Um, but yeah, there there were there were people uh, who ha- overheard like various mean spirited comments made about former employees, or there was one person who said that they were you know asked to inform on other employees, um, and if they didn't, they you know felt that they would get dismissed as well. Um, people were afraid if, to even like one one detail you put in there. People were afraid to even yeah. like talk to someone that they knew was not on the good side of management. Right. Yeah. Thank you, Brendan. That helps get me back on track. Yeah, there was a, the employees that I spoke to told me about this list. Um, and they, they said it was basically a list that ranked employees. And the, the idea that they, none of them had seen the list, but it was kind of based around this idea um, from, I talked to some middle management folks as well, um, who were around during that time. And they said that they had, you know, had conversations with upper management where, and, and the, the idea had sort of like filtered among them that this list of ranking people was based on factors like how they dressed, whether or not they smoked, what they looked like, um, you know, who they hung out with in the office on a day-to-day basis, whether they had ever criticized the company in like, you know, I, I mean, even just stuff like, oh yeah, I don't like how they're doing this kind of stuff. Um, and Global Step, I mean, obviously Global Step denied that this was what the ranking criteria was based on, but the list of ranked employees is real. I mean, Global Step acknowledged that, um, but that that list was allegedly used to decide who to call in and who not to call in. But the result is that Global Step was using it to, you know, basically ghost people who are not ranked highly enough. 
Um, so this list, and people were just, you know, afraid of, you know, having the wrong position on this list. Uh, there, there was another employee who told me that they had an issue with another employee, and it's the, it's the kind of issue you would normally go to HR, and they didn't want this other person fired or, like, punished. They just, they wanted to go talk to HR and get this issue resolved, but they were afraid that if they mentioned this, this other person would get fired, and they didn't want that. They just Wasn't wanted to it also in the, issue, the so article that no one seemed um, to actually know what HR even was? Like, they just used... Like they're different people had different ideas of of what the HR entity within the company even was. Wasn't there a, a detail in there? Yeah, no one. Yeah, no, no one was really able to tell me who their HR person was. Uh, there were. They've confirmed and Global Step confirmed there was no HR person in the office day to day. So Global Step, the people who were middle management and up, who were actually fully employed by Global Step, they had an HR manager for themselves, um, and they the the people I spoke to did confirm that. But that person was not in the office. That person was like at some you know corporate office somewhere where none of them could like meet them face to face or talk to them on a day to day basis. They were just sort of this distant entity. Um, for everybody else, uh, Global Step says that their HR should have been done through Eden Group. Um, and none of the people who I spoke to were able to tell me that they, a, a few of them mentioned there was someone at Eden, but they also said that like, yeah, that person basically just did payroll. Like they weren't there to like solve grievances or like help us out or anything. Um, I, th- there were multiple people in the office who said that they basically became kind of the de facto HR person in that, in that respect. There were like, I think four people that I spoke to who said, yeah, I did X, Y, and Z that seemed to me like HR duties. And they, you know, they definitely, I feel like would be listed as HR duties and they were not things that would have been in that person's job description to begin with. Um, I did reach out to Eden group for comment. And I mean, this, this part, some of this is in the piece, like, cause Eden didn't get back to me in time for the piece to be written up. And I actually, they finally got back to me last week and it was, it was after the deadline I had set. And they said, well, it doesn't seem, you know, it, it, there doesn't seem to be any point in us commenting uh, now that the piece is live. And I said, well, you know, if you, if you have a comment on any of this, I'm happy to, you know, add it into the article and update it so that, you know, the, any statements that you have to make can be in it. And they haven't spoken to me since. So uh, <laughs> that happened. So that's a nice passive-aggressive excuse they made. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's such a strange, it's such a strange situation because the thing that struck me on reading it is, uh, you know, at the start, it, it 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 seemed to be like a confluence of a couple of things that, while definitely like bad and, and nothing that you would ever want to happen at your company, are are not like completely unheard of in the world, right? So like zero-hour contracts and companies doing acquisition deals and not doing due diligence here because one of the striking things about Global Step, Global Step's um, appraisal of testology, the very unkind appraisal of the testology staff that, that they brought in, was that how, how did you not, how were you not aware of this beforehand? You know what I mean? Like, didn't you, didn't you go and visit and see how the place operated and, and, and do a survey of the staff and understand how good they were if we are to take their, their claims at face value? But then it just becomes so much more bizarre and, uh, and much more unusual a story of a badly run company. The, the, the details like, you know, getting rid of people who smoke and have beards and, and, and these are these more sort of surreal details, which, which we really don't see very much in very many companies. But it just seems to be a confluence of a couple of things that you see around and you would never, ever want to work for a company that, that operated like that. But then these other this other kind of level of mismanagement, which is not not sort of characteristic of, of the games industry as a whole. Yeah, and it actually, it, I mean, it gets even weirder later in the piece. So I, I worked on this over the course of two months, and I spoke to, like I said, 14 people. And at, at the point that I had already spoken to 
I think at this point, almost all of these people are really, really close to it. I was getting ready to reach out to Global Step for comment. Um, I was getting, getting ready to finish it up. And then out of the blue, I you know hear from a couple folks who I had already spoken to who tell me that there, there's something going on where Global Step is now accusing employees of racism. Just like this, this had not been a thing before. Nobody had mentioned it. I mean, I did kind of ask in the course of, you know, doing these interviews, you know, was there a culture of this? Was there a culture of that? And everybody just said mostly no. I mean, a few of them acknowledged that uh, there was a bit of a culture of misogyny at the studio. Um, there, there were derogatory remarks um, thrown around that, you know, made women uncomfortable. Um, I, I, that, that seems to have been a factor at play. Um, it seems like this was not a super diverse studio for a while. Um, they also said, you know, there was, again, there was no HR to go to. There was no one, there was no one to step in and, you know, say, Hey, this, this isn't appropriate. We need to stop this. Um, but the racism thing sort of came out of the blue. Um, and so I, I poked into that a little more and global step came back around. Um, and they had gone through it, it, it was very interesting how this came about, and I don't think it fully comes through in the article because it, it doesn't really work that way. But um, at first, when I when I spoke to uh, Ben Gunstone, he seemed like he was trying to say that this culture of racism was the reason why this why the studio like the studio was problematic. Like like it was it was just everywhere. Like everybody was just super racist, and you know actually every everybody there just that they let go was, you know, the, the problem. And, you know, the, it was, it was, that was the reason why they had had to take all these actions. That's kind of what he seemed to be implying at first. But then, you know, I, I asked a few more questions and then I also reached out to Global Step itself. And it turns out that what they found was there was an internal chat between three employees who no longer worked there going back to 2019, where they said some really racist things. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I mean, that, that I saw the, the anonymized version of that chat and it was bad. Like the the stuff that they said in there was absolutely awful, like completely unacceptable for for anybody in general, but absolutely unacceptable, like like stuff that you would fire people over, like one hundred percent. But they didn't find out about this until after all three of these people had already left the company. And from what Global Step has said, and from what everyone has told me, it seems to have just been these three people. So it was just sort of a weird thing that kind of got thrown in at the end, but then didn't go any further than that so i, I just i didn't when, really when know did what that to make of come that to part. light rebecca what, do, do you remember like what date you got sent that so i i first heard about this on june 12th yeah i mean i'm a cynical man and i guess the fact that that email arrives just at the time when literally the entire games industry is examining itself for that stuff and it's uh i don't know like i i don't even know what i'm inferring there but it just seems odd that as you say that had never come up before and all of a sudden it's it's may it becomes part of the issue or at least seemingly put forward by global step as evidence of 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 there being an issue a long-standing issue with the company when it seems to essentially be an isolated incident when that exact incident ties very much to a situation that had flared up within that very time frame. It seems very odd to me that, that that arrived on your desk, just as even us as a team and the industry as a whole were all completely engaged with that one subject. Yeah, I also think it's it's sort of odd because Global Steps seemed to be putting it forward and, and Ben Gunston as well as as a kind of thing that would... I don't want to say absolve them, but I guess make make them look better in the sense that, oh, well, it wasn't our fault. You know, our employees were very racist. But I don't think it makes them look that great because, the I mean, from everything that 
everyone told me and from everything that I've understood, again, there there wasn't any like oversight. There wasn't an HR to step in and say, hey, you can't make remarks like this. You can't do this. Like this, there's going to be consequences for this. We're going to, you know, fix our culture. And I, I asked them about it. I said, you know, what's your, okay, you've got this, you've got this evidence of this horrible chat log. Like what, what are you going to do to make sure this never happens again? And they focused on hiring and they gave me a breakdown of like the, the diversity of the company last year and this year. And to their credit, they seem to have hired more diverse individuals. Um, you know, again, assuming those numbers are, they gave me are accurate. Um, they seem to have hired quite a few more diverse individuals, um, at least racially. And that that's that's good. That's not a bad thing at all. Um, but beyond that, they couldn't give me any specifics as to what they were going to do to clean up this company culture that they say was so bad. Um, they just said that they make their zero tolerance policy clear through their HR practices, which I would argue that based on what 14 <laughs> people told me, they don't really make no, it that no clear. Knows so, what they are anyway. I mean, I think the yeah. thing that, that really is striking about the article is global steps. Uh, willingness to throw their employees under the bus which they do over and over and over again and that's almost never a good look even when there is a problem whenever there is a problem with your employees it is on your shoulders as the 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 management team so there's only so much going look at this look at this you know repugnant email conversation can ever possibly do to absolve you because it happened in your company which has hr practices that nobody seems to understand or can access very easily so what did you do to create an environment where that wouldn't take place one thing that i did i did really wonder because obviously you know that this is global step is like testology uk basically right it's it's that team and testology had its own problems in the past when it's uh a member of its senior management team made very uh, unpleasant uh, remarks about about Muslim people, um, and that sort of, and, and as you point out in the intro to your piece, Rebecca, this kind of led to this sort of sense that there was a need for renewal, and Global Step was potentially the uh, coming in and acquiring the place was potentially a way for that to happen. Obviously, it didn't. But did you get a sense from the employees that things had gotten worse? because of Global Step. Or, because one thing that Global Step does say over and over again was that there were so many problems there when we arrived. We didn't realise how sort of unskilled the staff were, how undisciplined they were. We needed to kind of like overhaul the place because it just wasn't that great a company in the first instance. It is really hard to... Uh, I, I instinctively doubt that as an account when you read other, other aspects of how Global Step's management ran the place after the fact like it they obviously weren't too great at that stuff either but did you get a sense from the people you talked to about whether it had actually declined since the testology days like it got worse or whether it was just one no, bad situation I, I into a different a, bad situation no i didn't really get a sense of that at all i mean every everybody there seemed to have everybody that i spoke to seemed to have quite a bit of care uh, for the people that they worked with um, like in terms of clients like everybody spoke very highly of the clients that they worked with and they seemed to care a lot about having a positive relationship with them and doing good work and I mean I, re- I recognize again that like I you know I haven't spoken to any of their clients so I, I couldn't like verify this but they seemed to talk about how pe- the the people that they worked for and they worked with the, the QA for were pretty pleased with their work like there there really wasn't for the first year and a half or so after the acquisition because I think the acquisition was in 2018 really like it just you know kind of was business as usual I mean yeah they're their CEO who had said the racist stuff was gone, but they all spoke not highly of him. They, they basically said, yeah, that, I, that guy said those things and that was ridiculous and inappropriate. And it was, you know, 
is, is gener- generally better that somebody who said a bunch of you know racist things was no longer in charge of their company. There, there was some struggle, um, right? Because it, as I say in the opening of the article, you know, after he said those things, a lot of uh, companies that used to work with them cut ties because they, they didn't want anything to do with a company that was headed up by a guy who was saying those things. And so they had a little bit of extra work to do to get more clients. Uh, but yeah, they didn't, they didn't seem to imply that, that there was any beyond that problem that was instigated by the CEO. They didn't really seem to imply that there was, there was any suffering. Actually, something that didn't make it into an article, they actually used to have, for a period of time, they had a QA, they had a QA academy, basically, where they would, they would charge people um, to come in and do like kind of an intensive QA course and like learn from some of the employees. They had, a, you know, a couple people who were in charge of that and teaching people. And then there was sort of you get like a certificate at the end of it. And a lot of people um, went from that academy into jobs at Global Step. And some of them, you know, went elsewhere in the industry as well. Uh, but generally, that seemed to go well. And people, you know, seemed pr- who it seemed, it seemed based on, you know, who I spoke to that people were pretty happy with that. And the, the only thing that ended up causing it problems. And I, I believe last, last I heard it was shut down. They may have brought it back up again, but the thing that ended up causing it problems is when global step came in and tried to charge, uh, unreasonable amounts for people to go through the program yeah it, and so they just couldn't get enough people it's an odd it. idea that actually just because if you end up getting a job it's almost like you paid somebody to train you for the job you got you know what i mean yeah yeah there there, there were some questions about that but it, it wasn't anything uh like strong enough to warrant reporting on but yeah i don't know they it seemed fine basically i mean they they global step says they kind of made the decision to turn things around in like november december of last year but it started impacting the employees in uh january february and they they said that especially when it got to the point that global step was really heavily interfering in the scheduling um they were shuffling it around and you know according to the people who worked there they were putting less experienced people or you know people who didn't have you know, an understanding of a particular project. They basically just shuffled everybody around. Um, and so the, they, they, they claimed that uh, clients were upset and confused because people that they had worked with for years were no longer working on their projects. And it was people they didn't know who didn't have as much experience and hadn't been trained up. And they were like, wait, I, this work isn't as good. And I, again, I haven't spoken to any of their clients, so I can't confirm that, but that, that was what the people I spoke to said. I think the thing that still surprises me is that very kind of hands-off approach they took after first acquiring Testology. Like, if you if you acquire a place where the CEO has quite publicly um, had a fall, as it were, and, and, and been not outed because he outed himself, but like you know, has, has quite publicly said these these controversial things, and that has attached controversy to the company, and therefore they're losing clients. Like you say in the article, there were unverified reports that they were losing work at the time that people were... Because I remember writing about that at the, at the time, and like everyone you reached out to was like, well, we've worked with them in the past and we're not going to work with them again. And you could never work out who was working with them at the time because obviously it's all very kind of confidential and non-disclosure agreements and, and secret and all that, all that that sort of stuff. That's just how, how it works, because unannounced games and so forth. Um... So for Global Step to step in, and, and like I said, this, this sense of, right, we're going to rescue this company and kind of get it back on its feet. To then do that by doing nothing, like it kind of speaks to this idea that, yeah, that all these problems come down to a few individuals. We've been talking about this for months now in like any kind of kind of um, attitude about you know abuse or racism or sexism or misogyny or any kind of toxicity crunch and everything like it all. The attitude seems to be sometimes that oh you know it was it's the bad apples it's the ones that it's you know it's, if it's a bad manager or a bad you know individual or a bad person in the position of power like that's the issue. But like the, I think this guy's goes to show that it it's really not it's not individuals it is there's clearly some issue 
across the wider company or within the system or within the processes or the lack of processes in the case of HR here. So to just kind of buy something, kick out the one person you know has definitely done something bad and then just put your feet up and hope it'll be all right. It's definitely not the approach to take with a company like this. Yeah, and it also has, you know, kind of been demonstrated in a lot of other cases, and I think is possibly demonstrated here as well, that a lot of times it comes from the top, you know, I, Mm. yeah, there there were three people in a conversation who were super racist, and that seems, from the evidence I have, that's where it was localized at, but, you know, I mean, knowing what we know about cultures, you know, perhaps it wasn't, but at the same time, you know, a lot of employees, I, so I can't, after I, f- I heard about this, you know, kind of racist conversation, I circled back with my sources and I was like, Hey, did you, have you heard about this? Like what, what was this about? Um, a lot of people said, no, there's nothing like that. Um, so a lot of people, re- some, some of them reiterated, um, the stuff that I had spoken about before about there, there being, you know, some misogyny going on, some women who had felt uncomfortable, not a lot of women in the studio in general. Um, and then, you know, some of them sort of turned around and said, well, yeah, there, there was like discriminatory stuff going on, but it was, you know, led by Ben Gunstone and Sanjeev Alawalia. Like, um, they described, you know, various instances to me of, you know, Sanjeev making, you know, various inappropriate remarks um, about, you know, women or about mental health, um, Ben Gunstone making inappropriate remarks about women. Um, and so, yeah, when when the people in charge are, you know, potentially creating that culture and there's no HR to, you know, step in and do anything about in defense of the people who are made to feel uncomfortable by that culture, then yeah, it's going to continue to foster. I, uh, I will say, like, I've been a part of uh, three companies being acquired in my career now. And in each one, there definitely was a waiting period before the acquiring company actually made significant changes. Yes, that's true. And I I, I think about a year, maybe a little bit less, is kind of... Uh, a common thing for companies to kind of like just take stock of what they have fully before they they upend the table and the the global step one with testology seems what almost 16 months or something a little over a year? yeah something like that it's also um my i have a little bit less of an understanding of this because i didn't you know go out of my way to i, I focused on the uk studio i didn't go talk to a bunch of sources at the montreal studio but my understanding is that so they acquired uh the bug tracker in Montreal shortly before they acquired uh, testology. And they also let uh, bug tracker kind of sit for a year and assess. And then they started the process to change things up in Montreal before they started um, in Aldershot. And so it, they sort of followed the same timeline over there. I don't know how that went for them. Yeah. So that that's, it might've been a little bit longer than might be standard with global step, but um, I, I, that timeline doesn't sound completely out of the ordinary to me. I think the reason I question it is because it's because of the nature, because of the context around the acquisition. So I'm, I'm going to hazard a guess that the three companies you worked at that have had have been acquired weren't acquired in the middle or shortly after a massive controversy involving a, a senior member of the team. I'm no, gonna and guess just, that's just the two, case. just Bug Tracker and Testology. The the Pune Studio is is just their company. Like that's where the studio right. is. Yeah, um, but I yeah but no. I mean, bug tracker seems to, as far as I know, was just sort of you know, normal. The comments from the testology CEO were June of 2017, and then the acquisition yeah. with Global Step was October of 2018. And by that point, they might have yeah. felt that it was sort of like, you know, the storm had passed. No, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah. yeah, I think so. I think the I think the takeaway though 
from them sort of, I, I don't think it's shocking that they sat on things for a little over a year before they started implementing. I, th- I think Brennan's right about that. But what I think, the, what, the part that bothers me is um, in their statement, they told me that uh, traits such as, quote, knowledge sharing, cross-training, and flexibility and deployment proved impossible to implement, uh, end quote, um, unless they changed the makeup of the workforce. And that, that they're saying that they basically couldn't, you know, make any changes internally without, you know, cha- changing who they all, who they had hired. Um, but they're saying that at a point where they have said up to this point, they've been super hands off. So it feels to me like they didn't really try, like they didn't come in and look at everybody and say, okay, well, we need to train you guys up. Like you don't, you don't have the skills that we want you to have specifically. So we're going to, you know, do some work to get you those skills. We're going to, you know, bring in like external education or like, you know, do whatever we're going to do. They just sort of sat back, looked at things for like a year and then said, oh, well, you're not exactly what we wanted. So I guess we've got to like ghost a bunch of you and hire some new people instead. Which that seems yeah, bad. but I, I think what the you know it is really bad, but it's also a a factor of the zero hour contract uh, culture, right? Yeah. Like, why you know I'm being Mister Testology here, like uh, Mister Global Step here. Why train up? Why train up someone who we literally have no loyalty to? Why not just get rid of them and get somebody else in? That's what zero hour contracts are all about. It's and it's and it's and it's all over the place and it's in a lot a lot of places and it's absolutely terrible and I'm bloody glad I don't have to kind of make my way just starting out in 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 any kind of industry where where that's a comp that's commonplace now but you know I, I I think in that framework when you have that context that you're working in stuff like who's my HR manager becomes I, it's not it's not totally surprising to me that that's the kind of culture that that arises out of out of that working arrangement with your staff because the zero hour contract is there so that you can get rid of people quickly and you don't have to invest in their development and so on and so forth i mean it's a terrible terrible situation and it sounds like global step handled it a lot lot worse than a lot of companies and industries that rely on zero hour contracts but that's one possible permutation of of that way of working yeah and i I will give them I will give them the smallest amount of credit because they said, you know, at sort of a, at the end of their statement, they said that they they have this big like plan um, that they're allegedly working through um, to sort of transfer. It's called Total Transformation 2020, which is a very company name for something. Um, and part of that is they are going to start working to basically get together a roster of QA leads, um, quality engineering personnel, game testers who are going to be full-time Global Step employees rather than on zero-hour Eden Group contracts. They're going to keep the zero-hour contract model, but um, they, according to them, it's only going to be an entry point. Um, but based on what they said elsewhere in their statements, it seems like most of these you know, full-time jobs with under Global Step, you know, with all the benefits that come with that, are going to be for outside recruits. And they're not something that these people who have been, you know, I guess loyal to this company for years are really going to be able to get into, and that that sucks. I mean, like that's a thing that companies do, and it it sucks. And one of the things about the this whole article that I kept thinking about as I read it was was just the the way companies will outsource certain uh, functions because it saves them money, but but it also kind of creates that uh, plausible deniability. Of of you know well, we don't know why why it's so cheap, you know why it's cheaper than having these people internal to our company where we will pay them our rates and give them our benefits. 
but it's it's cheaper and easier for us to do it this way and we just won't really ask questions about how how those people that are still working for us are, are treated and then when i mean it gave them a really convenient excuse right like oh well they have their hr through eden group that's not our problem yeah so you've got like a nesting doll of who's responsible for stuff here where the the studio it can point to global step and global step can point to eden group and eden group doesn't i mean who cares about we already published the article so eden group doesn't need to make a statement apparently <laughs> yeah i and and no one's i mean people aren't really going to be publishing the the horrible tell all about how employees of eden group a company that has no public profile really um are are being treated uh, and it's i don't know that was one of the things that, about this that just kind of like bum me out a bit because it's i i'm not sure how that gets better like there's there's nothing to stop the next you know outsourced qa company down the line from kind of doing doing the same stuff and and it's a shame because you know qa is a specialized discipline and and you should be able to have like, okay, well, we, we have people that are experts on this and, and we really know our stuff and we are selling you that, our expertise and our training and our knowledge of this instead of just uh, we're cheap and we churn through people as quickly as we need to, to to help you, you know, fit QA into your budget. So what do we hope the companies learn from this? I'm <laughs> on the <laughs> It's very kind of easy to kind of identify what went wrong what do we hope that people who read this article learn from it in terms of taking their own company forward in terms of addressing the the issues that arose at both testology and global step where do you start i mean there's like yeah. literally nothing about the situation that it doesn't suck i mean i can tell you i can tell you what not to do i can tell you what not to do i have been I have been informed um, by a couple anonymous folks that uh, Global Step apparently called. I don't, I don't know if they did this in, in uh, Aldershot or not, but apparently in Montreal they called a meeting to talk about the article, and they basically guilted. Uh, this is this is according to sources, but they they apparently guilted uh, employees and you know told them that they they weren't grateful enough, um, which is is just wild because this report is not about the Montreal studio. <laughs> Like, why are you making the people in Montreal feel bad about this? What did they do? I mean, you shouldn't make anybody feel bad about it. You should feel bad about it. But that's always that's like, always the wrong the wrong response to any kind of expose about your company is not who said this, whose fault is it? It's right. How do we fix this? That's right. That's just the wrong. But, but even if you're going to go down the incorrect route of trying to make people feel bad about it, why are you picking on the studio that the article wasn't about? That's just yeah. like incredible to me. You're just creating a whole bunch you're... more sources for us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, basically. Well, I wasn't going to talk to you before, but now, no, they're, they're being jerks. That, I mean, that's basically what happened. I mean, I, I poked at Montreal a little bit, but I, and, and I don't necessarily know what happened here. I had trouble getting a hold of, of any sources from Montreal. Um, and, I suspect that the timing of it was not right because I think by the time I was asking around at Montreal, I think Global Step had gotten wind that I was investigating. And I bet, I, I, this is me guessing, I, I don't know, but I, I would assume they had kind of put out a word like don't talk to the press or whatever. Um, so I, I had trouble. And, I, and so I didn't really write about Montreal except to sort of, you know, mention that it existed. But, you know, after, after this came out, I started hearing from folks at Montreal. And so uh, I guess, good job. Global stuff? Mind you, though, do you know if Montreal op- operates on the same zero-hour basis 
as uh, the the UK global step office? I I believe so based on what people have told me, but I would not feel confident yeah. enough to write that. Well, anymore. I only say because if you know if that report is true and it's worth stressing, it's is we have to attach the word allegedly to that because it. Because that has arrived via a source that isn't isn't hundred uh, percent verified, but that does strike me as belonging. That treatment of staff belongs to the same culture, the way of thinking about staff, as what you reported and very clearly verified in your piece. And I and it strikes me that that idea of you should be grateful for having a job very much belongs. Uh, it seems more at home to me in an environment of zero hour contracts where you have to fight for every minute that you work and every penny that you earn. Um, and, and if anyone takes it, I mean, you know, for a start, don't fire people with beards. Um, you know, don't fire people because they smoke. Don't do any of those things. <laughs> no, no, no cultures yeah, of fear. The company says they didn't do that, but people heard the manager, you know, making a quip about that. So yeah, I mean, even if that wasn't the case, even if it yeah, was yeah. just sort of happenstance that all the people they let go for whatever valid reason they think they have happened to be pe- people who were in the smoking group and who had beards, maybe the manager shouldn't walk around the studio laughing. Yeah, yeah, no, I, like maybe. I, but, I, but you know, that, I was almost being flippant there, really, because ultimately that should be obvious to, to anyone running a company that these are not not ways to treat your staff. But you know, I, I think, uh, I, and this sounds like wishful thinking in many ways, but like Brendan says, if you are a company in a position where you can't afford or justify having internal QA staff and you have to use outsourcing, just maybe try and find out a little bit about how they operate. Try and find out if if they act in an ethical way towards their own staff. If stories like this make you kind of raise your eyebrows or feel a little bit sad at the way people get treated, then I think every company can do a little bit to at least try and establish whether you know they're effectively operating and I'm not saying this about Global Step, but you know the the outsourcing of, of key functions in game development, art assets and stuff is pretty common now, and and a lot of these art asset production places are located in you know com- com- countries where the labour is cheap and and things can be done quickly and so on and so forth. And I really don't know how many studios and companies and publishers that use these services really look at who they're working with. I think it, as Brendan says, like are the key metrics, how much does it cost, how quickly can it be done, and it ends there. But there's always human cost to this kind of stuff. So I think that seems to be like the one genuine thing that could make a little bit of a difference to be taken from a situation like this. And beyond that, it's like, if you want, I mean, you know, Global Step made accusations about the the skill and the dedication of its staff. And I think we take those with a massive pinch of salt. But even if there were something to that, you know, zero hour contracts are not going to get you people that are really engaged with what you're doing. Invest in your people and your people will invest into you. Zero hour contracts is just a red flag for a company being a good company in my book anyway. But that, yeah, that, that side of it, it's hard to see that going away because huge parts of the global economy in every sense are based around these kinds of contracts now. The gig economy, it's just a, a great big lie that only benefits a small group of people really. But it's hard to see that being a lesson that anyone takes because that's a force larger than the industry itself. But at the very least, you could start really thinking about who you work with, trying to find out what you can from people that work for them about how they operate and whether they operate in a way that you're happy with or you want your own staff to be treated. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I agree, man. I think 
I just like to add to that. I I very much agree with that. Like they, one of the things that Global Step said is that they they didn't seem to have any QA testers or not not a lot. Like maybe maybe a few, but there were very there were just not enough QA testers who had like the ambition to move up and to learn new skills. And you know, I I think that that's a rude thing to say, um, and I don't know if that's actually true. Um, but even if it is true. If I were a person working at a company under a zero hour contract where I was getting paid like nothing and there was no clear track for upward mobility and hadn't been in years and no one had told me about one, I wouldn't be trying to like conceive of some made up upward mobility that didn't exist. I'd be looking to get out. I'd be looking for the door constantly. So like shocker that that would happen. Yeah, like companies, if you don't show loyalty to your employees, they're there's no reason for them to show loyalty to you. And I think, I think that's part of why we've seen in recent years, a lot more sort of exposés and tell alls from disgruntled employees is because the, the ones that, that really love their job. And I mean, they might see like, Oh, well, here's a guy that says some kind of eh, stuff. Uh, it's kind of problematic but they don't see it as an institutional issue. You know, if, if, if you treat them well and they like their job and they like the people they work with, they're probably not going to be talking to the press. But if you have them on zero hour contracts and then you try and guilt trip them for, for talking to the press, like even when they didn't apparently, <laughs> um, like that's the, just the treatment of that uh, to the employees, like that relationship is just such a one way relationship and the employees are going to figure it out no matter how much they need the money. Um, they can, they can find what little you're paying them elsewhere. And, and when they go, they've, they're not invested in the company because the company didn't invest in them. So they are going to be a lot more likely to, you know, do the kind of things that you think of as, as burning bridges, like, talking to the press and spilling your dirty secrets and stuff like that. Yeah. People who are happy in their jobs, if they talk to the press, it's to say how nice it is and, and how good it is. And it's, it's through nice interviews. Like, yeah. So like, even if you're only taking care of people because you don't want these, you know, bad coverage in the press, all all these bad features, like that's doing the right thing for the wrong reason, but still just, you know, do the right thing. That is all we've got time for today. I'm going to include the link to Rebecca's article in the show notes and in the description. So on your podcast playing device, check the description of this episode. You should find a link to the article if you haven't read it already. We're going to be back later in the week. Uh, Xbox are showing off their their next Xbox showcase, uh, which might even include gameplay this time. Uh, and even if it doesn't, there's been some developments in their Xbox's strategy and how they're, they're building up to the launch of Xbox Series X. So we've been going to be unpacking all of that uh, on Friday with a new episode on Friday which means there won't be an episode on Monday. In the meantime you can get your daily dose of news, insight and analysis into the world behind video games at gamesindustry.biz. (laughs) 